podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network. I'm doing good. <laughs> good, good, good. Well, welcome everybody to Noon on Tuesday. We are going to learn how to make cheese at home with cheesemonger and renaissance man, Paul Savage. Hi, Everyone, everybody. welcome, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so, Paul, you um, are a cheesemonger with us at um, Liberty Station, Correct. mostly, yeah. right? Uh-huh. Um, but tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I was uh, born and raised in Chicago. And moved out to Seattle. I spent the 90s in Seattle mm-hmm. uh, listening to great music. It was a great time to be there. Yeah. Oh, great. And um, uh, moved down to San Diego. My wife wanted to come to Southern California, and I preferred San Diego over L.A. So so here you are. Here I am. Yeah. Just so awesome. So awesome, Paul. And we go back. I remember meeting you at Curds and Wine. Yes. Right? For the first time. That's How many what years I, ago was that? It was I don't super, even want to talk super about long. That. <laughs> like, I know that we, I think I looked really different. And now I'm trying to remember back. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that was Paul. <laughs> yeah. I think it, was, it, it had to have been, I would say, a decade ago. Was it that long? Oh, it could be because, you know, shop's 14 years old now. Yeah, something like crazy. that. Crazy. Uh, I don't like flies. to think about that. Yeah, it's crazy. We'll, we'll just get back to the cheese. We'll just get back to the cheese. What, um, what is your interest in cheese, Paul? Like, where, where did the fascination come? Or just, like, did you eat it first? Did you, were you always making it? or? Um, I've always enjoyed cheese. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, let's be honest. My two favorite food groups are sweet fat and salty fat. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> exactly. I hear so. a common denominator. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, um. Uh, cheese has been one of those almost mystery foods like beer and wine and a lot of other fermented foods. Um, cheese is one of those things that always seemed out of reach. Other people make it, you buy it pre-done and I do have a food background and cheese is for the most part, everything you're not supposed to do with milk. Yeah. Interesting. Cause you kind of think. I guess that's what we'll have to get into because you think, okay, I've got milk and then letting it get sour, letting Uh it ferment, letting it grow mold, letting it get fuzzy. All those are good (laughs) in the world of cheese, right? Exactly. (laughs) It's crazy. It makes it so wonderful. Yeah, yeah. What was – can you give us an idea? Like did you first dabble in ricotta? The the first cheese that I I set out to make was mozzarella Mm -hmm. Um, and yet the first cheese that I actually made was gouda. When I started to research and go through what all I needed to make cheese, by the time I had it all sitting out on my kitchen counter, I was ready to make Gouda. Yeah, you're like, I got all this. uh, And my wife loves Gouda. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I asked her for some input, there was no wiggle room. She wanted a Gouda. I could have one ready to eat in two, three months. Yeah. And so that was it right out of the gate. Right out of the gate. (laughs) (laughs) Who doesn't like Gouda? (laughs) Right. Everybody likes Gouda. Gouda is very Gouda. (laughs) It is. Oh, my gosh. Good. Because I have to tell you, I've started – I go like this to anyone out there that makes cheese because tried ricotta. And actually the quote I'd once heard was – if you can't make ricotta, you shouldn't be in the kitchen. I think that's probably true. It's true, but I think – but I failed miserably once. You know, once it just didn't work. You know, you don't have to tell us all about it. Boo. It didn't work. Um, 
And then a couple times mozzarella, like you think that that could just be easy and it's foolproof and fail-proof, and it is not. There is a science behind this, there is. right, Paul? Uh, ricotta is fairly easy. There are ways to make better ricotta, but you should be able to make ricotta in any kitchen at any point. Think, right? Um, uh, mozzarella, on the other hand, everyone thinks it's easy, and yet uh, mozzarella requires uh, some specific parameters in order to work. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't mean that you have to know all the science behind it to do it, mm-hmm. but it is a little fussier. A little fussy. But it kind of uses the same basic elements that um, – the bas- basic chemistry that all cheeses. Can you start yes. us like with that basic separation? So, you know, uh, milk. Away. <laughs> milk. Milk. Let's start there. Let's start with milk. Um uh, I think the biggest mistake that people make with home cheese making is starting out with the wrong milk. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's probably what happened to your ricotta. Maybe. Is if you use ultra-pasteurized milk, which is milk that's heated up to a really high temperature for a very short time, mm-hmm. um, it won't curd correctly. And Crazy. I could go into the reasons for that, but we, we don't have a lot of right. time. That's the science um, behind it all. That's the science behind and, it. And I do cover that in all of the classes. Yeah. Oh, that's so, nice because Paul uh, does teach cheesemaking classes, which um, are awesome. Um, can I see that just right on the label then? It'll say either it'll, just pasteurized or ultra pasteurized? Almost all mm-hmm. the milk that you'll see in the dairy section is going to be homogenized and pasteurized. Mm-hmm. And you want to look for the word ultra. It might not always be obvious on the label, but somewhere on the label, it needs to say ultra, if it is ultra pasteurized. Yeah. A lot so of- Avoid a lot that. Of, right. Avoid that for cheese making. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, that also eliminates a lot of organic milks because a lot of organic milks are ultra pasteurized in order to stay on the shelf longer. Yeah, that's interesting because you kind of think, oh, I should get organic every time. Right. But it might be ultra pasteurized. Yeah. And I do think that that yes. has happened to me before. So I'm like, but yeah. it's organic. It has to be great. And Not that, for cheese yeah, making. And that is the number one question that I get asked in class mm-hmm. is what about organic milk? Organic milk is fine. Just make yeah. sure it's not ultra-pasteurized. Not ultra-pasteurized. Tip number one. Tip number one. Yeah, okay. And if you're starting out with good milk, <laughs> you will have good cheese. <laughs> ah, Always good. That's the case with everything, right? Yep. Start out with good ingredients. You're going to get a better exactly. product at the end. Yeah. And then the only other two things required for cheese making is acid. Mm-hmm. And heat. And heat. Um, there are other things that a lot of uh, cheeses have. Um, virtually every pressed cheese includes a rennet or some other coagulant. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, if you have acid, heat, and milk, you will make cheese. You can make a cheese. Yep. Oh, my gosh. Get into the acid a little bit. What are the choices kind of there when you talk uh, acid? With, with choices for acid, most cheeses use actually a culture to acidify the milk. Mm-hmm. Um Uh, Raw milk has the cultures already in it. With pasteurized milk, you would add cultures, and those those cultures will eat lactose and turn that lactose into lactic acid, and that's where the acid for the cheese comes Comes in. Comes from. That's so interesting. So it's fascinating to me that we work to pasteurize to sometimes take those cultures out, but then you're going to go put them right back in. So those cultures, is that a powder when you're talking about like if – a powder that you put back in? Um, some, of them, a some of them, some of them, most everything that a home cheese, cheese maker is going to have access to is a powder form. Mm-hmm. So it will be uh, a little bit of the powdered culture. It's a dry frozen culture uh, mixed in with a little bit of like powdered milk mm-hmm. so that it has mm-hmm. a food source because even though it's frozen, it can still be somewhat bioactive. 
and then um, we'll add that to our milk. And it's a very precise culture. So uh, the culture that you're getting is going to be the same this time, next time, the time after, after. the time after Very that, consistent. so that you have consistency. And this is the science. You need this it to be the, that way, right? This is the consistency. Mm-hmm. You don't want to have the perfect recipe that t- came out great and not be able to do that again. And not be able to do yeah. it. Okay. So I've got my milk. I've got my acid. And it could be um, – tell about like lemon juice or citric acid too, those two yep. things, right? So or- uh, citric acid is uh, the same acid that would be in lemon juice. Mm-hmm. And that uh, definitely works. Vinegar is also an acid that works. Um, I've recently been experimenting with using actual lactic acid to make some of my cheeses. And each acid is going to have a slightly different flavor. But once again, just like with the cultures, we want consistency. So a lot of recipes will call for citric acid because it's a very consistent acid. And if you use a tablespoon of it today and that works, you need a tablespoon tomorrow. Right. And that's so, going to be consistent. And, you, and will that change the flavor, a citric acid versus citric, like to me lemon or vinegar totally would? Lemon and vinegar mm-hmm. change the flavor a lot. Mm-hmm. Citric acid is a very mildly flavored acid and you'd be hard-pressed to actually taste it in the, yeah. in the okay. end. You can, but it's it's a very flavorless acid. Okay, which is, is perfect if right. you want something else to shine. Unless you, you want lemon yeah, yeah, or sure. lime or orange to be okay. a flavor. And you could really uh, use orange. Cheese. Like, could you, you can use orange. Yeah, that's um, fascinating. I've, I've made paneers mm-hmm. and ricottas using lemon, lime, lime, and orange. That sounds really good. It like, we really would get good. the little hint of that versus just the cream of the milk. You know? Exactly. Oh, that's oh, another exactly. one tip. Use other types of citrus. Play around. <laughs> that's yeah. good. Okay, so I'm at home. I've got my milk. I've got my culture or acid. Mm-hmm. And I've got my stove mm-hmm. and a big pot. I always recommend Mm -hmm. a double boiler. Mm -hmm. So the easiest way to do a double boiler is put a big pot, a little pot inside of a big pot with some water around it. Nice. Because you just don't want to heat it too much. Is this the problem? You don't want anything burnt? You don't want to. Yeah. Heating up milk on a a regular stovetop, you're likely to scorch the bottom. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, an example with ricotta, you don't want to stir it too much. So if you're adding heat Mm -hmm. and you're stirring and you don't want to stir too much, then you're obviously going to increase your chances of scorching your milk. Of scorching. Very good. And that's not a flavor I like in my cheese. Right, right. That's not – it's good for the burnt crust on a pizza edge, that burnt cheesy milk flavor, but not in the the ricotta. No, you don't want – you don't want that. Yeah. So ricotta then, not only – okay, then so I'm, I I was making it more difficult probably than it needed to be. I probably stirred too much, mm-hmm. played around with it too much. Could have yep. just let it sit there and do its thing. You just uh, – mm-hmm. the simplest ricotta recipe, I'll give it to everyone right now. Yeah. Heat up milk to about 180 to 185 degrees and add a little bit of acid to it at a time until it breaks. And voila, That's you it. have ricotta. I don't there need are te- temperatures. Do I need my – Thermometer and you, you all that. You do need your thermometer to make mm-hmm. sure that your milk is up to temperature. Okay. Um, you can, if you don't have a thermometer, you can look for little micro bubbles forming around the side, and that should tell you that you're at temperature. But I suggest that you a have thermometer. a good spoon, a double <laughs> boiler, and you a thermometer. Have ingredients, but yeah, um, okay. And there are ways to make better ricotta, mm-hmm. but that is the recipe that yeah. I would have everybody start with. Sure, just whole then, milk. Yeah, obviously whole milk. whole milk. You can even use skim milk. You yeah. can use whatever milk you want. You can use um, the skim and still get a good. Decent you can. Ricotta. You'll get less okay. yield because okay. uh, mm-hmm. cheese really is trapped fat, 
And so, so the less the less fat in mm-hmm. your dairy, the less yield you'll have at the other end. Ah, uh, nice. Which is why we could get into the, the milks and the different. Um, yep. If they're the fattier milks, you're uh, going to get a better yield. Exactly. From that. Oh, that's a exactly. really good way to think about it because mm-hmm. I don't think you know. Everyone's so, you know, you're worried about having anything fat. The word fat, everyone's scared. Fat, 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 fat. Oh, no, I love like you it. You need it in cheese, and then, then the milk needs it to, to give the better yield, like it you does. said, right? All right, this book will not stay. Um, okay, so that is great, ricotta, because I mean, I, I love it. Once you've kind of made it, though, I think you don't ever want to buy it because it's ever. so delicious. And, and time life, like, what, what, what would you say the time it takes to make that? Um, however long it takes you to heat up, however much milk you have. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then add another 10, 10, 15 minutes for straining. Yeah. So if you're making lasagna, mm-hmm. by the time your noodles are ready, yeah. So you you heat up your water, start heating up your water, and heat up your milk at the same time. Mm-hmm. By the time your noodles are ready to come out of the water to yeah. make your lasagna, your ricotta is ready. Your ricotta is sitting there. That is so great. Um, really a gallon, is. it is really great. And <laughs> um, would you say, like, for a, a pan of lasagna, one gallon of milk, or would you even a gallon need of that? milk makes roughly a pound of cheese? Okay. So um, uh, the rule of thumb in the industry is ten pounds f- for one pound, right? Um, but uh, for the home user, uh, depending on the type of cheese you're making, yeah. one gallon to one pound is a pretty good is a pretty yeah, good pretty good indicator. yield. So that's that's really awesome. So, I mean, just the cost of really the, the gallon of milk. Exactly. And you've got a beautiful ricotta. And it's uh, it's so much better than Yeah, i got to say. Yeah. Yeah, even though we get the fresh. <laughs> Did I roll my eyes? Stuff, I'm sorry. Yeah, like, oh, come on. <laughs> this is so easy. Who would ever do this? Why if not? I can do yeah. it, you could do it. Yeah, like really. Okay, I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do you it will. again. Um, straining. Do I need cheesecloth or anything like that? Can I use um, just a colander type thing? For or a- ricotta, you can get away with a colander because the curd – should be nice, big, and fluffy. Mm-hmm. Um, for your other cheeses, you will need uh, cheesecloth. Um, and not usually the cheesecloth that they sell around Thanksgiving for wrapping the turkey. The turkey. That's too fine of a weave. Ah, interesting. Um, and is it, is it fabric-y? It's very it is, sticky, it, maybe? It's not. Um, the cheesecloth mm-hmm. is is pretty clean feeling. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but it is a tight weave. It's less tight than a loose cotton T-shirt. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. in a pinch... You can grab an old T-shirt, make sure it's sterile. Um, but I have used an old shirt and yeah. an old bandana in a pinch. In a pinch, because you just yes. had to have something uh-huh. to catch the, uh, yep. the curds in there, right? Yep. And let the way go. That's awesome. That's really great. All right. So ricotta, you start um, paneer, like yogurt and paneer. Those are all kind of in that same family of those fresh cheeses where all you need is the acid. Um, yeah. Yogurt is different. Mm-hmm. Yogurt is a culture, but paneer is the next step after ricotta. Okay. So um, paneer is roughly a pressed version of ricotta. Oh, interesting. Okay. But the same basic structure same, of making. If you can make ricotta, pressed. you yeah. can make paneer. What? And if you can mm-hmm. make paneer, you can make ricotta salada. If you can make ricotta salada, you can make a great pasta. <laughs> this is okay. Dinner is served. Exactly. <laughs> Suddenly exactly. we have served everything. That is really great. Okay, I'm going to have to try paneer, which is typically um, India. It's famous in mm-hmm. India, right? Um, and there are other versions. Um, depending on what part of the world you're in, these cheeses will have be the, roughly the same cheese but a different name. Yeah. Like queso blanco, mm-hmm. queso fresco. These are these are both – those two terms are somewhat interchangeable, but mostly queso fresco refers to a, a paneer style A paneer style. Oh, very good because we see that often, you know, because mm-hmm. Mexico being close, you know, yep. we'll see that more, I think, than you see paneer right, uh, right. in the shops. 
But that is really and good And I to make know. paneer all the time because yeah. any cheese that you can slice and put on the grill, yeah. so you make it grilled cheese, literally. It's awesome. Literally, yeah. yeah. Nothing else required. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should make a grilled cheese sandwich, Paul. What about with paneer on as the bread? I have done and that. And then put something else in the middle. I have, yeah? I have actually done paneer, tomato, cheddar, paneer, and then served it like a little hors d'oeuvre. Yeah, that, that sounds pretty really yummy. good. Pretty, pretty yummy. yummy. Pretty yummy. So what's the difference, though, ricotta, uh, from the um, paneer so, and then ricotta salata? So ricotta salata mm-hmm. is uh, a pressed ricotta. Mm-hmm. So you you make a paneer, yeah. and then you're actually just salting it. And that's a cheese that you can age for about two weeks in your refrigerator. Okay, very so good. So it's something that everyone can do. Yeah, and that one you would kind of uh, typically grate over something because you yes. get that saltiness. You're yeah. salting now. You're introducing that lots of salt, it's, right? It's a it seasoning. Way. Yeah. Um, okay. Which is another interesting way that people don't think of cheese, but using cheese as a seasoning for your food. Sure. For adding some sort of extra And we're going to get to that a little later when we talk about those cheeses. Am I drooling? Uh, I yeah. am. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, tell us, you, you mentioned salt as, you know, seasoning and cheese as seasoning, mm-hmm. but salt plays so many roles in the Salt science is of a cheese, very right? important mm-hmm. ingredient in cheese. Um, I, I try to tell people right out of the gate who are uh, maybe worried about sodium content yeah. is that you know, just like, you know, unsalted potatoes would be are very, you know, they're bland, they're somewhat unpleasant. Mm-hmm. Um, unsalted cheese can be somewhat unpleasant. So even in a sweet cheese, we would probably add a little bit of salt to mm-hmm. it to help bring it up. But salt in older cheeses and the aged cheeses uh, plays another very important role, and that is to actually slow down and or kill the culture that we needed to acidify the cheese. Ah. And that allows the cultures to break down, which uh, aids in in all the dynamic flavors that we get in all of our old sure. cheeses. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, salt performs that amazing role. And it also does another interesting thing in cheese, and it – Affects the moisture content of the mm. cheese by uh, by uh, taking up any free water that's in the cheese, and so it changes the moisture content. Yep, yep, yep. And will actually help a cheese drain. So if you want an extra dry ricotta, you mm-hmm. can actually salt it before you strain it. If you want a really moist ricotta, you wouldn't salt so it much. until after you've strained it. And okay. that's one of the things I say, you know, in, in these classes, we're going to talk about not just how to make good cheese, but how to make even better cheese. Right. Ah, and slight variation mm-hmm. of how you've salted, when you've salted, when will you change salted. the flavor, the texture and everything. Yep. Crazy. Are you as hungry as I am now? I am. I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Almost enough talk. It's, it's going to be time to eat. Um, pres- but preservation too because salt, you know, you have cured meats. Salt preserves. Salt it, is you know, a preservative. Because it's taking out – but now I'm hearing it maybe it's because it's taking away some of that moisture. Moisture exactly. is what can cause some of the bacteria growth and all this kind of exactly. stuff. Exactly. Well, we like bacteria yeah. in cheese mm-hmm. and cheese is a fermented product yeah. and um, – like beer and wine, we're really adding things to cheese that we want that are going to contribute to good flavors yeah. so that the stuff that makes bad flavors or that might make us sick don't get a chance to take a hold. Take over. Thank you, salt. Exactly. Yeah. And salt plays a big part of that. So cool. That's fascinating. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, tell us, Paul, because I know um, you make a lot of different styles of I, cheeses, I and you have your own cheese cave I do. at home, <laughs> which is awesome. Can we tour the cave? Well, no, we'll take it another time. <laughs> it's a small so cool. cave. It's a small cave. There will only be one of us, half of us can go in there. <laughs> but what, what have you, you've brought us some treats today and like have 
they look fantastic. So yeah. um, I brought a uh, a habanero cheddar that was uh, pressed and first went in the cage in February of 2014. 2014. So it is um, – it's interesting to taste it as it's going through its phases. So when it was a year old, it yeah. wasn't very spicy at all. So, And then it got really spicy. Yeah. Then it wasn't spicy again. And now it's getting kind of spicy, spicy again. again. So you're in for a – in for, for a, a ride spice with that ride, one. and that's right here. And uh-huh. You can see the flex of the. Um, you can see the flex of the, habanero. The habanero, there. and you, did you just use a, a, a fresh chopped up habanero? I or? used fresh yeah. habanero, but then I uh, I pasteurized it. I sanitized it in boiling water. Um, there are some health concerns with adding uh, any. Um, Inclusion products into your mm-hmm. cheese, especially of an organic nature. Yeah. What else would Again, you use? Yeah, <clears throat> back to that. So you but, still um, have to pasteurize. So it. you still yeah. have to make sure mm-hmm. that everything that you're putting in your cheese is safe. Mm-hmm. Um, the cheese itself is somewhat of a preservative, and making cheese at home is relatively safe. Yeah, um, but. Uh, you just want to go that extra step just to be sure. Yeah, to be sure. And I've heard this so many times. Cheesemakers are like, yes, the glamorous life of cheesemaking. It's uh, 10% making and 90% cleaning. It's 90% cleaning. <laughs> 90% easily. cleaning. Easy. Yeah, so Easy. before you, you know, it, it, there's a romantic side to yes. it. The, the cave, the, cave, the uh-huh. aging and everything. But the uh, practical side of it is it's a all lot about of cleaning. sanitation, cleaning, yep. and everything. It's all about yeah, cleaning. But it's nice. So any external ingredient from the milk. It's pasteurized, clean, sanitized, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> All that kind of stuff. Yep. Yeah. And I'm uh, I like to be able to replicate any cheese that I make that I like. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of experimentation. Yeah. Um, currently in my cave, I have a, a green tea dry jack. Green tea dry jack. Did you put it the green tea on the outside? The green tea is actually infused into the milk. What? So the jack cheese is this sort of. Yeah, shamrock looking cheese. Okay, it really yeah, yeah, did. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. So uh, okay, and, and it's it's tasty. Yeah. Um, I wanted to go a little bit longer, which mm-hmm. is why we don't have any here. But um, next time, next time, <laughs> um, next time. And tell us, there's the bloomy rind. Okay, the bloomy oh rind bloomy. was. Um, I made a number of different cheeses for the last uh, the class that I did in Del Mar. Oh, nice. And um, I ate. A lot of cheese, and I didn't want to eat any more, and I didn't want to throw it away. Right. So at the last minute, I decided to ball them up and age them like a bloomy rind. So nice. they're these cute little cheese uh, cheese yeah. balls that I, you know, they've been aging about two weeks. So I pushed them a little bit quickly mm-hmm. so that they'd be ready and look kind of cute for here. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so the flavor's not as complex as they would be had I aged them a little more slowly. But, um, but my next dinner guests are going to be in for their own indiv- treat of their own individual little Super. cheeses. Super. How did you age them quicker? Is it uh, heat? Um, is it uh, what is uh, the moisture? It's temperature. Temperature, temperature and moisture. Yeah. Um, the Bloomy Rhine molds like a little bit of salt. Um, they like uh, they like the temperature to be a little bit below a room temperature. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, uh, they like the acid content of the cheese. Yeah. Mm. And uh, and then they like a very humid environment. So by 
taking the cheese in and out of my cave Mm -hmm. between my cheese cave and the counter in their own sealed box. I was able to push them along a little more quickly. That's your temperature control. Exactly. How you can, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's very sciencey. Oh, these got to go back in. Oh, they have to come out. Oh, they've been out of half an hour. Exactly. Time to to cool down. Oh, interesting, though. That's awesome. So okay. um, as you progress in cheesemaking, you can do a lot. There's a lot of freedom. It's wow. uh, Cheesemaking yeah. is 90% cleaning, as you said. And um, I'm going to say uh, 9% <laughs> of what happens if we do this. <laughs> right. <laughs> we might get this. <laughs> exactly. What if we put tea in there? Uh-huh. Okay. Exactly. But that's the – then there's the art. To me, cheese is such a science and art. Combination exactly science exactly. at the very start to me it's that's the most scientific moment Ex- sort of yeah because you got to get that right separation mm-hmm. right and that right the pH balances we can get into all the that right that and has we've to been be making there. cheese long before we knew what was happening with it yeah it was just kind of magic it was just probably this back magic <laughs> process that was happening um, but where the science of cheese comes in is troubleshooting mm-hmm. or how do I make this better. So yeah, can I, I fix this? I know anybody can make good cheese at home. Mm-hmm. You want to make better cheese, a little bit of science. You bit. want to wonder what went wrong, a little bit of science. Yeah, interesting. Very cool. Did I see also a blue up there? There is a blue up there, and that's my pride and joy. That is. That Does it have a name? Do you name uh, your cheeses? You know, um, uh, another <laughs> yeah. one of our cheesemongers, Jess, told me the other day that I need to name my cheeses. You do need to name the cheese. Um, <laughs> but uh, that blue is almost a year old. Yeah. Um, it uh, it started aging last August. Okay. And I've been slowly drying it under cooler temperatures mm-hmm. because um, that is a cheese that I'm going to be – its destination is to be used as a seasoning. Okay. So I want to powderize it at the other end, and then I'm going to use it to add a little bit to my fresh mozzarella or to Interesting. put on pasta. So it's actually – its eventual end is going to be as a seasoning. As a seasoning. That's like but fairy right dust. right now it's – Fudgy. That sounds, it's yeah, fudgy it's now. It's really fudgy. Uh, as in texture? As, as, as in texture. In, yeah. Yep. Okay. Fudgy. So it's a dense fudge. And dense fudge, you're going to keep drawing it uh-huh. with the thoughts of getting it powdery. Exactly. I could put it on french fries? You can put it on anything that you want, <laughs> that little kick of blue. Ooh, popcorn. Popcorn would be good. Oh, would that'd it, be that really be good. good. Could you just put, dust it on, you know how you get buffalo wings and you, they always have blue cheese sauce. Uh-huh. Like I said, anything that you can season. This is a new thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I haven't mm-hmm. I haven't done it before. I haven't seen it before. I just came up with the idea and said, let's see if I can make it happen. Yes. You need to work right. your name into it. Because Paul Sa- Savage, that's a cool name. Savage way, Blue. Savage Blue. <laughs> Who wouldn't want to eat Savage Blue? Um, I want to eat Savage I Blue. I want to eat it. I mean, well, well, what are we waiting for? We, yeah. Can we try some of this? Yes. All right. Let's see. I'm going to let you... So guide along, but okay. Look at the okay. I wish uh, if everyone is on Facebook Live, it's the color is really gold. Why is it really like gold color? That's uh, that's actually only on, exclusively through the drying and aging process. Okay. There's no color in that cheese. In that cheese, but it's just um, it's really a dark. Yeah, color. it's really but dark. it looks fudgy. It's very <laughs> or caramely. It's very fudgy, oh, but caramely, fudgy, and it's one of my favorites. That is a nice strong blue. Like you know right? what I mean? Like you get that blue flavor. Uh huh. But I don't – like it's not Barney. You know, some of them are very no. cow-like or Barney. I'm not getting that. Oh, I hope not. <laughs> no, yeah, no. That wasn't my goal. That wasn't the goal. Yeah, so yeah. that's good. And this one looks like it's more bluey on the outside so versus the inside. Because I wanted to uh, to turn it into a spice, 
I wanted to I wanted the inside the paste part to be what would be called an albino blue. Albino. So there's no veins sure. going through mm-hmm. it. It's aged entirely from the outside so that um I wasn't adding adi- any additional color to yeah. any food that I might add it to besides what I absolutely had to have. So as you can see it's a little bit dark, but as it dries and gets graded, it won't impart too much color. Color the f- and it, the flavors there though that's oh, just as blue as can be that's right. so crazy like it wasn't what I expected because it didn't have the veins right right you know, but you it's get intensely blue consum- oh yeah and intensely fudgy but, chocolatey at this yes. point mm-hmm. uh, chocolate yeah what if you dusted it on little chocolate truffles or something um I've been wondering about doing some sort of <laughs> chocolate blue <laughs> combo um, I'm not sure if I'm going to yeah. age. Uh, a blue with cocoa yeah. or what I'm going to do yet. But there is a chocolate blue in my future. A chocolate blue sounds mm-hmm. very cool. Right. <laughs> sounds crazy, right? but crazy good. That's awesome. Um, and then we'll save the habanero for last <gasps> for so it doesn't kill you. Yeah. Um, Should I but, taste the bloomy guy? Yeah, try the bloomy. The bloomy's young. Um, oh, here, go for so it. pretty. I'm going to take – I just so, want to like pick up and just bite the whole thing. You it's can. so creamy. It's it's very creamy. So tell again. You said this was left over from one of your cheese this classes. This is left over. Um, I was teaching a uh, cheese class in Del Mar that I uh, thought about as a counter counterculture mm-hmm. class. Okay. So it was all kind of cheeses that could be cultured on your counter. I love um, the name counter. The name the name of the class. It was uh, specifically around chev, mm-hmm. but I wanted to show just if you could make a chev, you can make all these other cheeses. So um, just swap out milk, swap out time, swap out this, that, and the other thing. And that is crazy. And you can do all these, right, from that very base. Right. It can go 20 different directions. <laughs> yep. That was a goat cheese? No. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I'm going to say that's that so creamy. <laughs> that was a cow cheese. Yep. As I could and it's it. a little very. on the salty side because that was what I needed to do to actually push. push the cows. Bring on the cows. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. I, I can't even tell you. That is delicious. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Savage. Sensational Savage. I got it. We're going to come up with a name. That is super That's, good. The Bloom. Yeah, we need to come up with like a naming theme so that all my cheeses can have a different yeah. name, part of the same theme. But something in there. That is just amazing. That Bloomy. That's a mold, right? When you the yep. bloomy rind, that's what when we talk bloomy, that's what you see on the outside of breeze. That's the most Correct. famous of the bloomy rinds yep. or the brie rinds. And completely edible, it's, but it is mold, yep. right? It is a penicillium mm-hmm. candidium. Mm-hmm. And um there are a few other uh white mold variants that can be found in cheese, but this one is in virtually every white mold cheese that that you see. That you see. Um and a lot of people ask, you know, well, you know, if there's mold on my cheese. Do I have to cut it off and right. all that? And I'm like, che- most cheese is made with mold. Mm-hmm. Well, an interesting thing about cheese and mold is that uh, a lot of molds can grow on cheese and they won't make you sick because they can't produce the toxins while they're growing on the cheese because of the pH, because of the moisture, because of the salt, salt. content, they Science. impart flavor without mm-hmm. imparting danger. Yeah, that's really great. Isn't that that's cool? Really oh. Cool. Oh. oh. <laughs> the crowd likes that. <laughs> like it's right. like the light bulb went right. off. It's like, it Ta-da. makes sense now. The wonderful world of cheese. Did you learn a lot of this? I see you brought these books and these Okay, the title on this one, Cheese, Chemistry, Physics, and Microbiology. It's an intense book. Yeah. 
So um, this, you need a scientific mind. But this is going to teach you this is, really um, the basics, huh? Th- uh, my most recent uh, uh, set of books for learning about cheese. I'm always trying to up myself and learn a little bit more. Yeah. I'm a little bit obsessed. And so... Yeah, it's good to yeah. be obsessed. Possessed. Yeah, these books obsessed. are these books are intense. Yeah, and can you can you get these? Can you get these? Like uh, curds and wine, that's a great place to get all your cheese making. Right. right? These these are textbooks, okay. and so, so um, you do need to get them through a textbook. Yeah, a textbook thing. Yeah. this is like the the real real deal to learn. But to there make. are some great books at curds and wine. Mm-hmm. Um, it's where I've I get. Virtually all of my cheese making supplies. Yeah, that's every really once good. in a while they have a culture that I need that I can't get through there. But um, right, uh, it's a fantastic shop. It's a fantastic shop. That is just really great, mm-hmm. Paul. That is just super. I feel like I learned so much, and we could go on for days. We'll have to come right. back. But I can't believe we still have to get into as we say goodbye. The three year now, almost three. The cheddar. Let's eat some cheddar. And on that note, say thank you. And we'll chat next week, everybody. Awesome. Bye.